Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Good morning, church. Happy New Year. Way to go, starting the year off right, first Sunday of 2024. Here we are together. I'm so happy to see you. We're starting a new series today called The Simple Life, How Simple Commitments Create Great Life Change. And as we look around us today, we see a complex world. We see a busy, hurried world. And I think most of us would agree it would sound really attractive if we could just simplify, if we could just be a little less hurried, a little less busy, less, less busyness and more room for life. Can I get a witness? Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be great? You see, everything in life takes up space. Every, everything you say yes to takes up space. It takes space up in your mind. It, it takes space up in your, in your house and in, in your life. It takes up space in your calendar. And everything you say yes to takes up space. And everything you purchase and everything you own, it takes up space. But if there were less, then you'd have more space for life, more space for joy, more space for relationships. How do you make space? How do you make room so that less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter? And that's the title of the sermon today, Less is More. Sometimes that's true. Less is more if you make room for that which is better. Now, it's the topic of a lot of books. At the first of the year, a lot of people are trying to figure out, okay, things got out of hand in 2023. How do I, how do I get back on track in 2024? And so there's a lot of books, a lot of blogs, websites. I found a couple of pretty uh, interesting websites. One of them is called BeMoreWithLess.com. Another one is BecomingMinimalist.com. And I I saw some some blog posts, some articles there. Here's one article, 24 Ways to Simplify Your Life in 2024. 24 Ways. The 10 Most Important Things to Simplify Your Life. I saw another article entitled. And so I kind of grabbed a couple of these articles and put together uh, sort of a, a... a summation of some of these. I've got 22 items here. You ready? Let me just run these by you. These are some ideas from some of these blogs on how to simplify your life. Okay, number one, reduce your screen time, both on the phone and the television. Declutter your closet. Reduce your wardrobe to a few versatile items. Create a morning routine. Meditate, read, journal. Process email only twice a day. Go to bed early. Make room in your calendar for rest. Create a weekly meal plan. Automate your finances. Set your clothes out the night before. Make lunch the night before for the next day. Make time to catch up with an old friend. Just say no to something. Consolidate and pay off debt. Go for a walk. Do things at home. Don't get caught up in other people's drama. Focus on a simple but healthy eating plan. For every new item you buy, set two free. Focus on one thing at a time. Want what you have, not what you don't. And then finally, take a breath, slow down, breathe. 22 from these lists I've found on the internet about how to simplify your life. Now, maybe you're saying, as you heard those, Gary, that sounded complicated. 
That was a long list. How am I going to say, which of these should I do? They're all good ideas, but they sound like a lot of work. I'm already feeling overwhelmed. And now you gave me another to-do list. Well, that's not what I'm going to be preaching on. That was just to whet your appetite. That was just to get us started. Because what I want to talk to you about is a singular, simple commitment. Just one commitment I want you to consider making today for 2024. And, and we find this commitment in the book of Matthew. When a man named Jesus says to his disciples, follow me. Have you ever made that commitment to follow Jesus? Because if you make that singular, simple commitment to that singular person, then all of your other commitments will flow out of that. And you'll find that less truly is more. In, find, in fact, you'll find as I pray over my own life, and I ask that you consider praying this over your life, less of me, more of you, Jesus. Less of me, more of you. As it was said by John the Baptist, I must decrease. He must increase. Less of me, more of you. That's what we're going to be talking today. Three simple commitments, which is really just one commitment because the next two flow out of the first, and that is following Jesus. Three simple commitments that lead to a better life. So let's look at the book of Matthew, chapter 4. We'll start at verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is God's word. Amen. Amen. We're looking for three simple commitments that lead to a better life. Here's the first. Here's the first commitment. Reorder your life around being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Reorder your life around being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Notice this call that he says, follow me. If you're taking notes, just underline the word me. He doesn't say follow this philosophy. He says follow his person. He doesn't say follow this religion. He says follow me and enter into this relationship with me. He says follow me. One of the most amazing invitations that the Son of God, the Creator of all, the Maker of you and I, would say, come, follow me. The underline that word, me, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about following Jesus. It's a commitment to His person. And when we do this, when we follow Jesus, it gives us a new identity. Isn't that word um, kind of a hot-button issue in our culture today? Who am I? What's my identity? Well, those that follow Jesus get a new identity from Him. And, and we see this. He says, come follow me. In fact, that word follow in the original Greek has the implication of to leave behind what it is you're following now and to come to Him and follow Him. You'll notice that in the text, in every issue, as it involves Peter and Andrew, as it involves uh, James and John, that they immediately left what they were doing. You see, there has to be a lessening of what you were in order to be more 
of what Jesus is calling you to. And you have to decide, will I leave it? And even better, will I leave it immediately? Will I today say, less of me, more of Jesus? Yes, I will follow you. Have you made that decision today? Have you made the decision to accept the invitation from Jesus Christ? He says, follow me. Wow, what an amazing invitation. Have you followed him? Have you decided to do this? One of the books that we, we studied a lot last year, going into the first of the year, do you remember this book that we, we talked about a lot last year, The Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard? Well, one of the things he talks about in that book, and I'll quote it to you here, he says, The disciple is one who intent on becoming Christ-like and so dwelling in his faith and practice systematically and progressively rearranges his affairs to that end. Have you done that? Have you systematically and progressively said no to those things that don't line up with following Jesus? Have you looked at your life and said, you know, that doesn't fit following Jesus. I need to immediately leave that behind. Less of me, more of Jesus. Have you made that commitment, this singular, simple commitment to follow Jesus? This is the call that he gives. And when he gives this, he gives you a new identity. Look how the Apostle Paul opens up most of his letters. I'll just mention a couple of them. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Paul can't even get his name out, Harley, before he tells you, hey, I follow Jesus. I'm a servant of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. When Paul introduces himself to somebody, the first thing he wants to tell them, my name's Paul and I follow Jesus. My name's Paul and I'm a servant of Jesus. My name's Paul and I'm an apostle. I'm sent by Jesus. How long does it take you to get that out? How long do you have to talk to someone, know someone, before they find out that you're a follower of Jesus? You know, the longer you wait, the harder it is to tell them. Because if you really are a servant of Jesus, if you really are one sent by Jesus, that seems like something that you'd want to say in the first sentence or two. Less of me, more of you, Jesus. Come on. I'm Gary. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's, that's the first thing I want you to know about me. Then I'll tell you some other things. Hey, I pastor this church. I got this beautiful wife named Robin. I've got three, ch three children. I've got ten grandchildren. Now, see, those things are fun to talk about. Can I find a grandparent here that won't just automatically say, my name's Gary and i got ten grandchildren? I mean, we just, we just feel highly motivated to say things like that. Nobody has to teach us that. Paul teaches us something. He goes, i got a new identity. I'm a Christ follower. I've said yes to following Jesus. Less of me, more of him. In fact, he writes it like this in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He goes, you know, it's not just less of me. I'm gone. I've died, and I'm risen in Christ. And the life I live now is actually the life that Christ is living in and through me. That's who I am, Paul says. Oh, oh, come on, how about 2024? Let's, let's say I'm a Christ follower and less of me, more of Jesus. It'll just bring everything into alignment. It sounds so simple, but it means you've got to say no to some stuff. Less of me, more of Jesus. Where do you find your true identity? 
It's a struggle of a lot of young people today. Tim Keller gives, gives kind of an idea of how he viewed where people find their identity. And I've kind of worked through the way he describes it. and come up, I've come up with my own kind of way of thinking about it. But I'll start with the way he describes it. He says the traditional view for discovering your identity uh, would be that the people around you would tell you who you are. Your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, uh, your schoolmates. That was the traditional view, and this is the way it was for centuries, that people found out who they were based on the people who brought them up and who raised them up and who they entered into. And so fathers would tell their boys, you're a man, you're growing up to be man. Mothers would say to their daughters, you're a woman, and, this, and they would tell them who they were, and that was the traditional view. Keller goes on to say that the modern view has never been seen before in all of humanity. The modern view is you look within. And he calls it the modern view. You look within yourself and you ask yourself, who am I? You look in the mirror and you go, hey you, who am I? And then you decide based on how you feel. It's the modern view of identity. And then he says there's a better view. There's the Christian worldview which says, I'm going to look to my creator. After all, he made me. Why not ask him who I am? These are the three ways of discovering your identity, according to Keller. Now, I've simplified it. I need to simplify it for myself. I, I have to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so I can reach them. And so I was thinking about what Keller said, and so, I was, so, so the traditional way is outward. The modern way is inward. But the, the better way is upward. How are you deciding who you are? Young person especially, I'm speaking to you, but not just you, but anybody here. When you answer the question, who am I, how do you answer it? Paul says, I'm Paul, I'm a follower of Jesus. I say to you, I'm Gary, I'm a follower of Jesus. What do you say? Have you made the commitment? Less of me, more of you, Jesus, more of you. Now, how do you work this out? Okay, Gary, I'm ready to make the commitment. Here's the first step. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus, if you've never committed to him, the first step is to do that and to say, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and that you raised from the grave. Come and, come and save me and make me a, adopt me into the family. I want you as my Lord and Savior. That's your first step today. What a great way to start 2024 off by saying yes to the invitation of Jesus to follow him and to say, I want to be a Christ follower. That's your first step. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, I've already done that. How do I keep working it out? How do I keep pursuing my following of Jesus? Well, why not give him, and it's going to give you some practical steps, why not give him the first day of every week? Hey, check the box off, you're here. Good job. Why not give him the first day of every week? That's called Sunday, by the way. Give him the first part of every week, gathering with his people, worshiping Jesus, praying to Jesus, hearing, hearing word about Jesus. Why not start your week? Why not tithe your week, the first part, the first fruits of your week to Jesus. And then let's carry that forward a little bit. And that's an important step because we live in a culture today where people are saying no to church attendance in greater numbers than they ever have. People are saying things like, I love Jesus, but I don't really like church. That's like saying, I love you, but I don't like your wife. Because we're the bride of Christ. And so we want to be the people that give him the first day of the week. But not only that, we want to give him the first part of every day. Why not give him the first fruits of every day? And, and what does that look like? Get quiet with God and read the Bible. 
And one of the things we're starting right now, we start at the beginning of every year, is reading the Bible together uh, uh, through the one-year Bible. You can sign up on that on the Church Center app. You can register there. You can let us know. And and we'll, we'll be reading together again this year. The Bible bus has just pulled out of the station. And you can still catch catch you know a ride we're going on a tour through the bible this year and so not read the bible a little bit talk to jesus kind of start off and if you're a mom with a bunch of little kids go to the bathroom and lock the door i know they're going to be out there beating on it anyway and sit on the throne for a minute in the bathroom get your bible and say lord help me and and you say well how much do i need to read read till god speaks say lord speak to me through your word and then start reading. Sometimes it's just one verse. Sometimes it's one chapter. Sometimes it's a little more. But read till he speaks. Why not start your week and start your day by following Jesus? And then you get your whole day in right alignment. Instead of coming to Jesus with a laundry list, go to Jesus and say, where are we headed today, Lord? And then follow him. Bring your life into alignment around Jesus. This is called unhurried living. Start your days with Jesus. Well, let's go to the second commitment that really it really just emerges out of the first commitment we're going to make room for healthy relationships with other followers of Jesus so if we're going to reorder our lives around saying yes to following Jesus that that means that we're going to have to hang out with his disciples now can you imagine Peter Peter's like Lord I want to follow you but that guy Judas I don't care for, I don't care for him do I have to do I have to go to church with him Oh, and that, that Simon the Zealot, he won't shut up about politics. It's always talking about politics. Do I have to hang out with him? Well, unfortunately, you do. You do have to hang out. Or maybe fortunately. Maybe it's best if you hang out. Because the church should be the place on planet Earth where people, there would be no other reason to explain why we're all here together. Because it's not about politics. It's not about whether you're red, yellow, black, or white. It's not about being young or old. It's about following Jesus. And following Jesus means a commitment to be connected to his people. You're making a commitment to his person. You're also making a commitment to his people. You're making a decision when you follow Jesus that you've got to hang out with those other disciples. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now that word you in the Greek is the plural you. Now, we've lost that in the modern English language, except for those of us who live in the South who've retained the plural you. If we were to read this as a Southern would prefer to read it, Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make y'all fishers of men. That's the plural you, y'all. That's right. Or as some people from other parts of the country say, youans. <laughs> Y'all. It means if you're going to follow Jesus, y'all got to do it together. We need each other. He calls us to one another. He calls us first to himself, and then he also calls us to one another. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. We are members one of another. We're adopted into the family. We're family members. In the book of Acts chapter 2, it describes the first century church. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Is that, is that the life you're pursuing right now? You, following Jesus is not a lone ranger pursuit. You need to be part of the tribe, part of the family. 
Dr. Sheehan Fisher, he's a psychologist, he wrote an article entitled Five Benefits of Healthy Relationships. This is from a secular psychologist's point of view, but it's good stuff. Number one, he says, one of the benefits is less stress. Being in relationship, healthy relationships with other people, he says, is linked to less production of cortisol, a stress hormone. So just being in fellowship with other believers reduces stress in your life. Number two, he says, better healing. A little emotional support goes a long way toward helping a person recover from a procedure or from an illness. Part of healing is being in fellowship with other people. He says, healthier behaviors. Number three, it's a lot easier to take on healthy behaviors when you surround yourself with people who are doing the same. There's an accountability. Okay, we're going to... We're going to try to get, go on this diet together. We're going to work out together. We're going to read the Bible together. We're going to follow Jesus together. It helps. Number four, he says, greater sense of purpose. Having healthy relationships can give a person a sense of well-being and purpose. In fact, it's possible that having a sense of purpose can actually add years to your life. And then number five, he says, longer life. That's one of the benefits of healthy relationships. Speaking of adding years to your life, research suggests that having Social ties can increase longevity. Now, speaking of longer life, have you heard of, of these geographic locations around the world called blue zones? Have you heard of this, this terminology, blue zones? There was a, there was a TV series about this on recently. Uh, it's based on the book written by Dan Butner uh, called Blue Zones, Secrets for Living Longer. And he traveled the world and identified places, geographic places that were unusual in that they had the most number demographically of people living in over 100 years old. Like greater than any other surrounding areas. Greater. And, and he called them blue zones. These places where people just live longer. And so he, he went through and he interviewed and he researched and he took teams of doctors and dietitians and, and, and fitness experts and tried to discover, okay, why are these people living longer? And they, he found nine factors. Nine factors for why the people in these blue zones were living longer. And among the nine, of course, among the nine, there had to be diet. Okay, that was one of them. Exercise, that was there. It sure was. Those, those two. But among the nine factors, the majority of the factors had to do with being involved in your family, being involved in faith, being involved in relationships. The, the majority of the nine had to do with your healthy relationships. And yet so many of us, so many of us have pulled away. So many of us are living lonely, separated, isolated lives. And we think social media has somehow taken its place, but you know, one of the biggest problems, especially with young girls in their teens today, is, is the negative result of what social media is doing to our teenage girls. What, what video games is doing and pornography is doing to our teenage boys. That we need to be in real relationships so that young people are with older people and so that we're together in family, parents, grandparents, children, uncles, aunts in the church of God. We need to make room for this. Now, can I give you some practical tips on how to do this? So we're following Jesus. We're giving him the first day of our week, the first part of every day. We're focused on him. But we also want to make room in our calendar for being with God's people. Now, one of the ways that I would recommend is get in a community group in our church. That's a small group that meets weekly in someone's home. And what we do every week is we go back over the sermon that we just heard that Sunday 
and we talk about it together. And we don't just talk about it, we think about how can we apply this to our lives. Now, I just want to ask a quick question. If you're already in a community group, real quick, just lift up your hand. If you're already in a community group, lift up your hand. Now, hold it just for a second. Now, if you didn't put your hand up, look around at the people that got their hands up, and now you can put your hands down, and, 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 and look at one of them and go, me and you, after the service, tell me, tell me about community groups, because I need to get in one. I need, I need healthy relationships in my life. I need to make room for that. I'm busy, but I need to say no to some things so I can say yes to this. Make room for it to be in a community group. Here's another thing you might consider doing is check the box on your connection card that says, I'd like to be involved in life-on-life discipleship. And this is the Jesus way of discipleship. It's one life pouring into one life, one person pouring into another, life-on-life. And so we offer a process in our church where you you can have a mentor who will spend time with you over the coming months teaching you what it means to follow Jesus and to become more like him we all need that we need someone that mentors us and and disciples us and invests in us And so I would just challenge you make room for that now can I give you one more practical one this is just a fun one this is comes kind of comes from that first list this would be fun to see during the week why not declutter your closet this week like go to your closet and just say, I, need, I haven't worn this since, even in 2023, I didn't wear this a single time. And like, just clean it out. And you got those Christmas clothes anyway. You, you don't even have hangers for them right now. Some of you can't even close your closet. And why not do this this week to prove, to hold each other accountable? Why not take a before and after photo? Some of you are like, there's no way I'm taking a before photo. You, I don't want anybody to see what my closet looks like. But I'm just going to challenge you. Take a before and after, and then maybe take some bags to Goodwill or to Salvation Army, or, or maybe put it on Have a Need, Meet a Need. That's one of our Facebook pages that the church has where you can say, hey, I got too much of this. And as they say, one person's junk is another person's treasure. And so maybe, maybe just this week, just make room. You'll be surprised how clean out your closet kind of makes room for more life. Just a little step, little tip, and we'll share that as a community together if you would. Here's number three. We're going to make room for each other. We're going to follow Jesus. Here's number three. Pursue the purpose that Christ has for your life. Pursue the purpose that Christ has for your life. Basically, here's what we've been saying. Commit to his person. Commit to his people. Commit to his purpose. That's what we're saying. Following him, you've got to follow and hang out with his people. And then, if you're going to follow him, he's going to do what? He says, I will make y'all fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. I have a purpose for you. There's a reason I made you. I want you to spend your life giving glory to me and my Father. I want you to, to, to live up to the purpose I originally made you. It says that... He made us in His own image. He said, let us make man in our own image. The Latin said, the imago dei, that we were made in the image of God. And that's what Jesus wants to restore, that we're to reflect His glory to a dark world. He's called us to a purpose. He says, I will make you fishers of men. And it says, they immediately left their boats. They immediately left their families, and they followed Him. I'm glad He says, I will make you. Because he's the only one that can save people. I, I'm glad he does the making and I get to do the fishing. Uh, I, I wonder, what's that look like? Maybe we've got some people here, you're a new believer, 
or you're a little hesitant to talk to people about Jesus. Maybe you're an introvert, you know, I just kind of feel, I just don't know what to say. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Well, here's what I would recommend to you. Be like Paul. Be willing to say to people very early on, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Be willing to tell people that. Just tell them you're a follower of Jesus, and then tell them what Jesus has done for you. You're the worldwide expert on what Jesus has done for you. And if they have questions that you don't know the answer to, what should you tell them? Tell them this. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know what Jesus has done for me. And then you'll be in the fellowship of the blind man that Jesus gave him his sight. And you'll be able to say, I don't know the answers to your theological questions, but I know this. I once was blind but now I see. And you're the expert on what Jesus has allowed you to see and experience and know. And so we become people who tell others, I'm a follower of Jesus, and my primary purpose in life is to give glory to Him in everything I say and everything I do so that others might come into a relationship with him too. Now what's it look like? Well, we have some help here. From John chapter 12, this is Jesus speaking. He says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. My job is to lift up Jesus. His job is to draw them to himself. My job is to lift up Jesus. His job is to draw them to Himself. I can't save anybody, but Jesus can. My job is to lift up Jesus. I can do that. I can lift up Jesus. I can lift up my favorite football team. I can lift up my favorite uh, baseball team. I can lift up the, that I have grandchildren. Let me show you their photos. Can I lift up Jesus? Can you lift up Jesus? Can you tell people that you're a follower of Jesus and what he's done for you. He says, if you lift him up, he'll draw all people to himself. We're the body of Christ. And in the book of Romans, uh, Paul talks about the different ways he's gifted us in order to carry out his purpose. He says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is not an exhaustive or comprehensive list. Paul's just basically saying he's gifted all of us uniquely. Use your shape, use your gifting to give glory to Jesus, to serve one another, and lift Jesus up so that he might draw all men to himself. There are two, at least two important books in your life that you might examine at a time like this. One is your date book, and the other is your checkbook. You could, it's been said that you can determine a lot about what a person believes and what they're really, how they're following Jesus by looking at their calendar. Do they, do they make room for Jesus? in their life. And looking at their checkbook, are they investing in the kingdom with generosity? Are they making room to see people come to Jesus? They, are you using your time and your talent and your treasure 
Are they in alignment with following Jesus and His purpose? These are questions I would ask you today. Simple questions. A way of simplifying your life so that there's less of you and more of Jesus. Have you made a commitment to His person? Reordering your life around the person of Jesus. Have you made room in your life for His people? Having healthy relationships regularly with other believers, sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron. And are you pursuing the purpose of Jesus in your life? Lifting Him up so that all people are drawn to Jesus. Friends, He's coming soon. Maybe it's in 2024. Less of me, more of Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. I pray first of all for that person that has never made a commitment to You. Is it You, my friend? Right in your seat. You can pray right now. Just pray with me. What matters is that you believe it in your heart. Pray like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you were raised from the grave and that you live today. Come and live in me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a child of God. I want to follow you all the days of my life as my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life. If you're praying that prayer, of faith believing He'll save you. He'll make you His own. That's the first step in following Jesus. Others are here today and you've done that. You're a Christ follower. But as you look back over the past season, some things have gotten out of order. There's some priorities that have got out of order. Would you just confess that to Him right now and say, Lord, I've let my life slip. I've let myself get too sidetracked. I want to set my focus back on following you. Lord, help me today. I recommit in Jesus' name. Amen.